0: Greetings and welcome to the Audio etheric Transmission The Tales of Sage and Savant, a Twin Star production. This broadcast is brought to you on the first of each month from the Twin Star Studios in sunny Southern California. Our tale stars Eddie Louise as Dr. Petronella Sage, Chip Michael as Professor Erasmus Savant, Emily Riley Pyatt as Mix Abigail and Twistle, and myself, Justin Bremer, as your humble narrator. Special guest to this episode is Curran James as Barnabas. This month's program, entitled A Muck in an Asylum, is sponsored by Edge Publishing and features the music of Valentine Wolf. And now, without further ado, we bring you the Tales of Sage and Savant.
1: Come with me and conquer time. Journeys expand your mind, the past and future.
0: Saw our doctor, she had lost all dignity and thrown herself most shamefully at the prone form of the withering professor. But I must inform you, dear listeners, that our tale is not a penny dreadful, not a dime romance, and most certainly not a fairy tale. Such histronic shows of untrammeled emotion yield nothing but moist cheeks and awkward silences. No, our doctor has gone through her long, dark night of the soul and come out on the other side fighting.
1: First, third,
2: seventh, Dorian tick. First, third, seventh, Phrygian tick. First, third, seventh, Lydian. Tick.
0: First.
2: Third. Stay on the beat. I'll never find the confluence if you don't stay on the beat.
0: This is an impossible task, Dr. Sage. Not to mention insensible. The fingerings on the racket are insanely difficult. And don't get me started on this act, but on the game, It would be easier to let the instrumentalists run their skills individually, or to allow them to play a piece of music that does not require the absolute consanguinity of sound. I still do not understand what any of this has to do with galvanism.
2: I am looking for the precise pitch that will create the confluence of sound waves with the electrical pulse. I need to know where they intersect and where the vibrations are the most commodious.
0: You did not answer my question. Why must all the instruments play in unison?
2: The volume of sound produced by a single instrument was not enough for my equipment to get a valid reading.
0: Well, all right, Uh, But why the medieval instruments? Could we not also achieve this with proper modern instruments? You would certainly get more volume out of them. I am
2: observing modes and sine waves, intersections and juxtapositioning along a temporal measurement plane. Modes? Sine waves? Dorian, Phrygian, Lydian, Mixolydian, Aeolian, Locrian, and Ionian.
0: I know what the modes are. I meant why?
2: Because modes are not really scales. They're methods of tuning. I'm looking for the precise tuning I need to calibrate the electrical waves for maximum radiation post-meridian.
0: Modern instruments can tune modally?
2: Yes, but the imperfect sound produced by medieval instruments is more closely aligned with the untrained human voice. The inconsistencies, the warble. (laughs)
0: Imperfect? Now, I say, Doctor... No.
2: I say, you and your musicians have been handsomely paid, maestro. So continue, please. Start from the beginning.
0: In the three days since the doctor embarrassed herself at the professor's bedside, she has suddenly become obsessed with modal music. She hasn't shared what she is up to with Abigail. She hasn't spoken to another person. She hasn't written in a journal or made an Edison recording. I have no more idea than you what she is up to.
2: Lydian, Mixolydian, Aeolian, and then Locrian. Pay attention. Let's start from the top.
0: Well, I can't make sense of this, so let's check in on Abigail, who is sitting vigil at the professor's bedside.
3: The systematic study and interpretation of those innumerable materials remains. Archaeologists try to understand and explain human history as it unfolded from the evolution of Homo sapiens, sapiens to the rise of modern industrial society. Such an ambitious task can only be carried out with the help of other disciplines from natural sciences to social and historical oh my i'm sorry professor i seem to have dozed off and knocked into the doctor's prayer bowl Goal. Every society continuously produces, reproduces, and consumes its material world. From food, to waste, to buildings, wells, roads, and tools. In that process, it leaves behind not only waste, but also abolished buildings and monuments. <laughs> Professor? Professor? Dr. Sage! Doctor! What? What is
2: it? His vital signs are all right? His breathing... Uh, no, he responded.
3: He's trying to talk. Uh, what were you doing? Uh, reading. I was just reading. Well, what are you thinking? Continue. Um, uh, uh, besides the daily routines of tilling the wells, uh, cooking, eating, disposing of waste and replacing worn tools, the past is intentionally incorporated into the present by modernizing... Wow. It's working! Yeah. Keep reading! Or redefining the function of buildings, roads, and monuments. But but from the time to time, fundamental changes take place... I'm here, Erasmus, I'm here!
2: Keep reading, Abigail.
3: And... A new use of landscape takes over and makes the old one obsolete. It falls into oblivion, although uh, traces of memory may be preserved in folklore and myth- Fresh. Yes, yes! Ah. Come back, Erasmus! You can do it!
0: All the right, chaps. We may as well take advantage of this time. Let's work the requiem for next week's mass whilst we wait on the madwoman.
2: <coughs> Erasmus?
0: <laughs> but.
4: I say...
2: What, dear friend? What do you say?
4: Folklore...
2: No, no, there won't be time for talking of those things. Don't waste your breath on trivialities.
4: Folklore... is not... not trivial.
2: (laughs) Quick, help me sit him up. He has an accumulation of fluid in his lungs. Good. Now get me cloths, a basin of hot water and camphor, quickly. Easy now, Erasmus. You've been asleep a long time. Here, tell me what to do. Rub the camphor over his chest and up his neck. Cover it with hot, wet cloths. Easy, Erasmus. You are home. We've got you now.
0: And slowly, the doctor and her assistant welcomed the professor back into his own time. His body is severely weakened, and he will need to spend weeks in drill, completing a rigid exercise program of stretching, lifting weights, and brisk walks in order to regain his vigor. Whilst he is healing, the summer term nears its nadir, and another problem develops which holds the doctor's attention. I understand that congratulations are in order. Thank
2: you, Mix Cunningham. I'm quite happy with the galvanization results and the chance to expand into surgical trials.
0: Oh, I'm not speaking of your research. I am referring to your happy event this summer.
2: My happy event?
0: Why, yes. The nuptials for yourself and Professor (laughs) Savon. Nuptials?
2: There were no... whatever gave you that idea? Why,
0: the missive from your father, the Earl of Frankenshire, explaining that you were away in the north... Missive? Yes. Geoffrey said it was delivered by Miss Entwistle. Mix. I beg your pardon?
2: Mix and Twistle, really, Mr. Cunningham. Such a simple adjustment to nomenclature should not be beyond your intellectual prowess. Never mind that. Are you telling me that the letter I
0: received was a counterfeit?
2: I'm sorry, Mix Cunningham. What are you on
0: about? The letter I received from His Grace informing me that you and Professor Savant had repaired North to attend to your nuptials.
3: (sighs) What? No, uh... I'm sorry to interrupt, Max Cunningham, but you've taken the entirely wrong idea. The doctor was invited to the royal nuptials this summer. The professor was her plus one. Oh, he was? Yes, of course. Your father was most insistent. This is why we miss turning in all those appendices. But of course, I am sure Max Cunningham was too concerned about that and the administrative burden of dealing with the donors such as the Chargé du Ferre to even mention the letter last week. As right he should be. Max Cunningham? I commend
2: you on letting any personal etiquette items wait until business had been seen to. As per usual, your instincts are spot on. Yes, but no buts. Now as Abigail has said, there were no nuptials, so unless there is another reason for your call.
0: No. No, that was all.
2: Well, thank you then. Ta-ta. <laughs> Abigail.
3: Now, see, there's no reason to be cross, Doctor. I was just trying to cover for your absence.
2: And you solicited my father to help?
3: No, of course not. I. I forged a letter in his name and sent it to Cunningham. I sent one for the professor, too, from Dame Evelyn.
2: Though I am grateful for your attempts to buy time for us, I do not really care how you did what you did. Nor will I interfere in your dealing with the problem in such a manner that neither I nor the professor will be bothered by these rumors of matrimonial entanglements, hmm?
0: And so Abigail would spend the next few days, as King's comes back to life and staff returns in preparation for the autumn term, deflecting questions, squashing speculation, and defenestrating the pernicious product of rumor. In the meantime, as the professor recovered in the infirmary, the doctor prepared to test her new modal theories of melodical locution with one last trip before the possible loss of her laboratory. She has set up a veritable carillon of prayer bowls to allow for more specific harmonics in conjunction with the Cladney table. She can now choose her intervals in modal patterns and layer the harmonies to produce more specific control. Will it work? We shall find out as she fires up the apparatus of transmigration once again.
2: Laboratory of Dr. Petronella Sage, King's College, 9th of August, 1894. I'm testing a new pattern of modal harmonics in an attempt to pinpoint the galvanistic thrust and be able to adequately predict the year of arrival. Working from the pitch of C4, I've set a chime at the pitch of B flat 4 and E flat 4, which will place the harmonics in the Aeolian mode. I believe this will deposit me firmly in the year 1899, a year we have previously explored, and a year I am confident I can return to.
0: How will this end? We'll find out after this short musical break. And now, dear friends, we invite you to listen to the talented melodical expressions of Valentine Wolf. And now, back to our story. When we left our doctor, she was embarking on a solo jaunt to the near future. Her calculations were spot on, and she has indeed arrived in 1899.
5: Finally! Oh. What took you so long? It took me? <sighs> you said you'd wake up in just a minute. I've been sitting here on your chest for two years. Two years?
6: Get off!
5: Two years, two minutes. Who can tell the difference? Everyone can tell the difference. I really must insist that you... Oh, move! Oh, now, you didn't have to dump me on McKeister. <sighs> My lungs would disagree with you. Where are we? You are on the floor of the lounge. I am on my bruised tushy. When are we? Just after brunch and ten minutes to lunch. Uh, pardon me, doesn't brunch replace lunch? Oh, no. Dr. Clauston insists we eat both. Doctor? Well, he says he is a doctor. But I suspect he's really a German mountbank intent on gathering
2: intelligence to help in the
5: takeover of the North
2: Sea. Wait. Stop. You're making no sense. Let us start at the beginning. What is your name?
5: I think we should start at the end. Things are much clearer that way. In such circumstances, my name is Sabinrab. But only if we begin at the end, as sensible people do. If you wish to go front to back, you shall be stuck calling me Barnabas. But
2: where is the sense in that? (laughs) Yes, all right, Barnabas. Sabinrab. Sabinrab. Where are we, and who am I again? We are in... The Royal
5: Edinburgh Asylum, Craig my lady, where all the people of the most illustrious, brilliant, and <laughs> perturbing of perspicacious natures are sent to learn the error of their ways and get fat on the good doctor's
2: largess. <laughs> Asylum! Get fat! I'm sorry, is this some type of northern health spa? Why, no! What would
5: ever make you suspect such a horrible thing? But you said... What I said was... Luncheon!
0: The doctor has found herself in an asylum. To be specific, the great gothic pile of an asylum known as Craig House in Edinburgh, Scotland. The supervising physician here is one Dr. Thomas Clouston, a strong believer in the perils of onanism and the benefits of diet to offset the deleterious results of madness. In other words, he believed that many of the causes of madness were intemperance in the body created by lack of proper nutrition. In Dr. Clauston's experience, the stout were almost never mad, and he created a therapy targeted to bring about the philosophical condition known as fat, dumb, and happy. In this case, his therapy involved serving a quantity of food that could only be described as gluttonous.
2: Eat up. Eat up every morsel now. Surely this platter is for sharing.
5: Oh, no. That is all for you. Eat up, Mistress Five.
4: No talking now. Eat. What did you call me?
5: Your name.
4: Quiet! No talking with your mouth full. Your mouth should be very,
2: very full. Why has my plate nearly twice the size of yours?
5: Because you are Mistress Five. I really do not understand. Oh no, have you forgotten again? Why is it always the forgetting with you? Shh! I'll tell you
6: after lunch. Eat your dinner!
0: And so our doctor chokes down the huge plate of doctor-prescribed boiled meat and potatoes, and then retires to the lounge with her unhinged friend to try and make sense of her circumstance. The building that houses the asylum is the size of a grand mansion, complete with echoing staircases, grand halls, innumerable twists and labyrinthine turns. By the time they reach the lounge, poor Petra is quite turned around.
2: This asylum is truly astounding, Sabinrat. Now why are you still
5: going back to front? We haven't eaten our luncheon, so now we must stay front to back. It aids the digestion. Front to back? Oh, do you mean I should call you Barnabas now? You see? Dr. Clauston is wrong about you. You are a very quick study,
2: Mistress Five. Thank you, Barnabas. I do not see any orderlies or guards on any of the doors. What is to stop you from just wandering off?
5: Wander off? And give up me three squares? Plus eleven Z's and T? Besides, the closest boggle hill is outside the wall, so there is no getting home to the folk for me. Better to
2: stay where I am fed, Buggle Hill? Are you speaking of fairies, Barnabas? You do know there's no Just such cause thing. Just because you
5: can't see it, doesn't mean it isn't so. I can't see gravity, but my feet stay stick to the ground. Well,
2: yes, but fairy tales are not like... <laughs> oh, never mind. Earlier, why did you say my name was Mistress Five? Well, because it is. Or you told me it was. Well,
5: No. We was calling you five after we called you four, and that after we called you three. But you was about insisting you should be mistress five or one. And we liked five the better, because five is what you were done for. Five or one? Do you mean five or one? I mean five times caught. Five times captured? No, caught. In the act? Uh-huh. Onanism. Pa- pardon me? Yes. That is what you say every times you get caught. Pardon me, pardon me, pardon
2: me. Onanism is what has gotten this body thrown into an asylum. Do you even know what onanism is, young man? No. But it
5: must be bad because Dr. Clauston says... Tain't no worse crime a young lady can't commit against her own person. Oh, oh,
2: oh, really? Where is this Dr. Clauston? I should like to give him an understanding of the physiological effect of stimulation on the neurological pathways of human tissue.
0: Though it would be great fun to stay and watch Dr. Sage upbraid a repressive Scottish psychologist, there are matters afoot back in the lab to which we must
4: attend. What do you mean she's away?
3: I mean she's transmigrating.
4: Without me? You know bad things happen when she travels alone. Oh,
3: yes I do, but you are too weak to risk another journey and the doctor was anxious to get in one last transmigration before the retrofit of her laboratory for surgical purpose begins. Although, Calypso had promised the Chargé du will be building the new lab, there's no telling how long that will take. And after her discovery that modal tones have some sort of home in effect, the doctor was anxious to test her new theory.
4: What do you mean, modal tones?
3: The tones that brought you home.
4: <laughs> Funny, I was under the impression that the combination of severe dehydration and extreme heat brought me home.
3: Oh, the doctor thought that too. That the music in the lab must have just been a coincidence. But when we reviewed the printout after they took you to the infirmary, she noticed a very distinct pattern of the electrical response in your brainwaves at the exact moment the musicians played the Aeolian modal scale. So now she's testing if this will be the way to bring you home after a prescribed time. She
4: thinks she can control when we leave a Transmigration.
3: Possibly. I will attempt to bring her back home at 8 o'clock p.m. this evening.
4: And if that doesn't work...
3: Sage didn't leave me with any alternate instructions.
4: Well, she can't have intended to risk discovery if the musical tones do not bring her home on time. Oh.
3: Oh?
4: Oh, she's going to attempt suicide if her other theory does not pan out. Uh,
3: but she can't know if that will bring her home.
4: Uh, there are reasons we do not let her travel alone. Her instinct for self-preservation will always take a back seat to her push for scientific advancement.
3: I know she can be reckless, but I didn't
4: think... Oh, Abigail, I'm afraid that we can never apply assumed limits to the behavior of our friend Petronella Sage. If there's one thing we can count on, it's that she will make intemperate choices in the service of science. After all, she claims death is no barrier to science. I shall come back at 8pm to see how we get on. Knowing that Sage has a plan for exiting
0: her transmigration should be comforting but there is no scheme involving the words potential suicide that I find soothing. The doctor would be wise to remember that the best-laid plans gang off the glay, as a certain Scottish poet once said. And, in fact, Sage's plans are being interrupted at this very moment thanks to her fractious argument with the treating physician in an insane asylum. Such confrontations seldom end with said physician revising his treatment plans. In fact... (coughs)
5: Do not struggle so, (coughs) Mistress Five. They are only taking you for Le grand Douche. You have survived it before. Wait! The Great Shower! They're taking me to a shower? Of sorts. Your best bet is to close your eyes and think of Fairyland. Thinking of home always helps me get through it. Think
2: thank you. Thank you for informing me they're simply taking me to a shower, Barnabas. I feel much better. But Barnabas, I really can assure you that Fairyland is not your home.
5: Do not say such things to me. Do not say such thing. La 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 Barnabas!
2: Barnabas! Barnabas, I'm sorry!
4: Get your kit off, No!
2: I beg your pardon! Get your kit off or I'll take it off yous! What are you going to do to me? Well,
4: the doctor's sorted La Grande Douche, so I'm not gonna get a, t- a scones, that's for sure! Stand over there, No! I'll get some bricks!
0: <laughs> to the doctor's shock, La Grand Douche is a high-powered hosing down with freezing water all dignity is lost, as gallons of ICH2O pummel the Doctor's form, forcing her backwards into the rough bricks. This is a horrific watery assault, and I cannot bear to watch it. We will leave the Doctor for now and pause for a word from our sponsor.
2: Hello, listeners. Eddie Louise here, head writer for the Tales of Sage and Savant. Our sponsor, Edge Publishing, has a very exciting call for submissions that I'd like to tell you about. Fantastic Trains, an anthology of phantasmagorical engines and rail riders. Edge Publishing is looking for your stories of trains. Fantasy, steampunk, science fiction, horror, slipstream, urban fantasy, apocalyptic. Set in any time, any place, Edge will buy a ticket on all of them. This book will be for lovers of the fantastic and for train aficionados. Step on a train and you never know what you might find or whom you might cross paths. Now, Edge invites you to take us on a journey into the unknown. Submissions will close September 30th, 2017. Find out details at www.edgewebsite.com. Edge Publishing for stories that ride the rails of imagination.
0: Yes, dear friends, you heard it here. Edge Publishing for stories that quench the thirst for adventure. And now, back to our show. Our doctor is buried under an avalanche of freezing water. Two minutes, three minutes, the deluge continues.
1: Stop! Stop, please! I think this body
2: has an arrhythmia! I'm having Unfortunately
0: for poor Petra, Dr. Clauston, unhappy at the questioning of his methods, has prescribed a full five minutes of Le Grand Douche therapy, a length of time that this body cannot withstand. The heart tremor that had begun as a flutter at the first icy touch of water has grown into full-on cardiac arrest. The water pushes the body so firmly against the bricks that the orderly will not notice that it is nothing more than an empty shell until he cuts off the hosepipe and the dead girl slumps to the tiled floor. Dr. Sage has gone home.
3: Heart attack! Oh, oh, doctor, you scared the life out of me. Whatever you're doing home so soon, it's not yet 6 (laughs) p.m.? There was a shower. I do not understand. Uh,
2: There was a madman who thought that onanism was a sign of madness and that an icy shower was the cure. So
3: you died by getting clean?
2: Uh, No, I'm sorry. It's been a very strange day. I went to an asylum. Everyone there was insane.
3: Ah, the other patients.
2: Uh, The patients, the doctor, the orderlies.
3: Oh, well. You'll have to forgive them. We didn't always understand the human body as we do now. Doctors from the past cannot be expected to abide by the enlightened scientific knowledge we now possess. I went forward
2: to 1899. Oh.
3: Have you seen Erasmus? Well, he was going to come by you for the 8 p.m. bell ringing.
0: Desiring to speak with her friend, Dr. Sage changes out of the Faraday armor into a simple smock and crosses the square to find the professor in his office. Uh, Come in.
4: Petra, uh, this is a surprise. I rarely get to see you outside of your laboratory.
2: Hello, Erasmus. Preparing for the
4: new crop of students? Not exactly. Oh? Uh, This is a resignation letter.
2: Erasmus, you're not resigning from King's.
4: No, 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 not that. I'm simply taking a leave of absence from active teaching. I've requested a three-year research sabbatical.
2: A research sabbatical? Whatever do you need to research?
4: Wherever and whenever you take me, dear Petra. I'm freeing my schedule to transmigrate with you wherever and whenever you desire.
2: Erasmus, I would never ask such a thing of you.
4: No, you wouldn't. And you would continue to travel alone and make rash decisions and endanger yourself inordinately. We just can't have that, now can we? And
0: so, the professor has promoted himself to permanent watchdog. Will his constant presence help the Doctor keep her reckless instincts in check? Or has our professor found himself in hot water? We'll find out in the next episode of The Tales of Sage and Savant. The Tales of Sage and Savant is a twin star production brought to you on the first of each month from our Southern California studios. Starring Eddie Louise as Sage, Chip Michael as Savant, Emily Riley-Pyatt as Abigail, and Justin Bremer as the narrator. Special guest this episode was Curran James as Barnabas. Soundtrack music, sound design, and audio engineering by Chip Michael. Special music in this episode was provided by Valentine Wolf. Check them out at www.valentinewolf.com. That's Wolf with an E. We would like to extend our gratitude to this month's sponsor, Edge Publishing. Episode 202, A Muck in an Asylum, was written by Eddie Louise. Are you interested in the historical and scientific information we included in this episode? Like us on Facebook or check out our website sageandsavant.com to find the facts behind the fiction. And, as always, we urge you to remember that death is no barrier to science.